From Milwaukee's NPR, this is Capital Notes. We break down the big political news affecting Wisconsin. I'm Ayan Silver, speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WisPolitics.com. He provides a roundup of the Wisconsin developments you need to know. Here's our latest conversation. Hi, J.R., welcome back. Hope you've been having a good summer. Yeah, same to you. So I'd like to jump right into the redistricting lawsuits that were filed in the Wisconsin Supreme Court days after liberal-backed Justice Janet Protasiewicz was sworn in. There's two of them currently, one from Law Forward, a Wisconsin law firm, and another one on behalf of mathematicians and computer scientists. What do people need to know about this? Well, one, we knew these were coming, right? Uh, There have been signals for a long time that liberals are going to challenge those maps that were put in place by state Supreme Court back in 2022 if control flipped to the liberals. So now we've got new liberal majority. We've got two lawsuits. Uh, And they're arguing, you expect them to argue that uh, these things are partisan gerrymanders, they violate the Constitution, and they really hurt Democrats and hurt their ability to have their voices heard. The really interesting thing to me and some people I've talked to is that both lawsuits are asking for every member of the Senate to be up on the ballot next fall. And why is that important? Um, one, you know, the legal argument is these maps are so you know uh, extreme, such a partisan gerrymander by the Constitution that you shouldn't allow people who were elected just you know a year ago, a year and a half ago, uh, six months ago, sorry, to continue to serve in those seats. Politically, it's really interesting because of what's at stake. Now, pulling back big picture, if you have a new map for Democrats in the Senate, there's a chance to flip control of that chamber eventually. Um, Looking at the assembly map, it is really, really hard to draw a 50-50 map um, without a partisan gerrymander for Democrats because of how we live. There is definitely a, a geographical disadvantage for Democrats in the assembly. The Senate, though, it is easier to draw a 50-50 map um, for a number of reasons. But maps aren't enough. You have to have the right candidates, the right message, money, and the environment is important. And this is what I'm trying to get at. Some of the seats that would be easiest for Democrats to flip, for example, Rob Hutton's seat in the Milwaukee suburbs, uh, Brookfield, that was, uh, Rob won that seat in the fall of 2022. If his district becomes more Democratic with a new map, but it's up until 2026, you may not have the right environment to win that seat as a Democrat, even with a better map. Rachel Cabral-Guevara, Republican up in the 19th Senate District, uh, the kind of Fox Valley area. Another one, narrow margin, uh, top of the ticket. You could see how you could draw that map to be more competitive and give Democrats a chance to flip it, but she's not up. And again, or would it be up until 2026? Look forward to 2026. I'm not predicting who's going to win the presidential race in 2024. I would never try and do that. But if Joe Biden won, uh, the party in power of the White House tends to struggle in midterm elections. That's particularly true in the second midterm election of that president's term. If you're a Democrat and you have a a better map but a bad environment, you may not be able to win those seats. So having them up on 2024, if the court agrees to make all 33 senators stand for election in the fall of 24, that increases your chances – Maybe not your likelihood, but your chances of, of flipping that chamber in the, for Democrats, and that could be huge. So it's really an interesting argument uh, legally, but also has huge political implications for the composition of the state Senate uh, going forward. Okay, so we really want to emphasize that 
One of the lawsuits is, like you said, asking that all 132 state lawmakers be up for election to kind of explain to people there's 99 people in the assembly, right, and 33 yep. senators, state senators. Can you kind of explain, you know, if all of them were up for re-election, you've kind of been going into that, but explain what Democrats could do with control of one of the houses, per se, as and how that would change what's happening in the legislature now. It would change the dynamic completely because right now you have a unified uh, legislature controlled by Republicans pushing back against Democratic Governor Tony Evers when he wants to spend money or raise taxes or expand a program or do something for school. I mean, go on down the list. If you have a democratically controlled chamber, whether it's the Senate or the Assembly, now the dynamic is different. You have a split control legislature. It's not a unified voice. You also would take the threat of a veto override pretty much off the table. I mean – if there are new maps, how are they drawn? If they're better for Democrats, you're probably getting away from two-third majorities uh, for Republicans in both houses, kind of no matter what. I mean, I, maybe I shouldn't say that, but more than likely, you get away from those numbers because the maps would be drawn better for Democrats. It's hard to get to those numbers that the Republicans are at right now without this kind of map they've drawn to give them a, a partisan advantage. It changes a lot of stuff. Just the, the back and forth in the Capitol. Oh, by the way, we've got a $4 billion projected surplus right now. Um, how's that money going to be spent? Well, if you have a Democratic leader in either house and Evers on one side and a Republican in the other house on the other, that's a different conversation than having Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, and Devin Lemahieu, the Senate Majority Leader, together saying, no, we're not doing what Tony Evers wants us to do. So you're saying it really depends on the political climate, it depends on the candidates and the maps, all those things together heading forward. Now Justice Janet Protosiewicz had called the current maps rigged on the campaign trail. Does that necessarily mean that the court will throw out the maps? And if they did throw out the maps, can you talk about who would draw new ones and kind of the timeline around it? Well, I I try not to predict what judges are going to do, but her comments have led a lot of people to predict the court would throw out those masks. Because remember, back in 2021 and 22, when we had the last round of redistricting lawsuits, the three liberals who were there before Portisiewicz all voted against the map or the process that Republican or conservative, sorry, put in place for the GOP map. They did not like that map. They liked a different map. So you kind of add those three plus Portisiewicz, you get, okay, new map is going to come. So that's kind of what they're thinking, kind of the expectation of what's going to happen with that. We're specifically heading towards the November 2024 general election. New maps would have to really be on a quick time trajectory there because they'd need the new districts before the candidates file papers and things like that, right? So can you sort of explain that and also explain who would be drawing these maps if the court does throw them out? The petition, both petitions are petitions for original action, which means they're asking the Supreme Court to take the case directly without going through the lower courts first. So again, assume the court says, yes, we're going to do that. And I hate assuming things, but let's do it for this this exercise. That process will play out over the next, you know, month, six weeks, something like that. Go back to 2021. The court had a redistricting suit before it by the fall. They had an order in November of 2021 that the party should submit a least change approach in their maps, the court would consider. By March, they had picked a map, originally Governor Evers' map, uh, for legislature. The U.S. Supreme Court overruled that decision, and by mid-April, they went back and picked the map that Republicans had drawn. So if you game that out this time, 
we're already, you know, mid-August. They've got a request to take it up before them. We could meet the same timeline as what we saw in 2021 and 22. So it's definitely possible. One of the lawsuits asked for a new map by mid-March, essentially. Um, you begin circling, circling nomination papers in April of an even-numbered year for fall elections. So that would give enough time for the Elections Commission to put everything in place and people know what districts are running in. So that's possible. As far as who draws the maps, there are all kinds of options for the court. You could, one, just do what happened two years ago, and tell the parties, submit your best bet, your best map, and we'll pick the one we like best from those. The second thing you could do is hire a special master who would draw a map and submit it to the court to consider. Um, we don't know which route they will go, but those are your, your biggest two options right now if you're the Supreme Court, if you take this case, and if you want to go forward. You're tuned into Capital Notes on WUWM. This is Mayan Silver speaking with J.R. Ross, editor of WizPolitics.com. All right, JR, moving on to another branch of state government. Democratic Governor Tony Evers has asked for the 13th special legislative session for September to increase funding for child care services, a family leave program, the University of Wisconsin system, and other efforts targeting the state's worker shortage. First question, does this have any chance of passing with or going forward with the GOP-controlled state legislature? Very unlikely. Uh, they've gaveled in and gaveled out 12 se special sessions so far, mostly in a matter of seconds. They have expectations going to happen again with lucky number 13. All right, let's break down what Evers, asking, what Evers is asking for nonetheless. So he's been asking for child care funding, specifically about $365 million to make the pandemic era child care counts program permanent. That program is set to run out of funding in January. Child care providers and other advocates have warned that losing that funding and that program could be devastating for families that rely on it, particularly people in poverty or the working poor who, have, who don't have a lot of affordable child care options. Do Republicans have any options in the works to address this issue if they're not backing the funding for child care accounts? Well, you know, they're going to argue that the best way to address this issue is to have a more competitive tax income tax structure and that their uh, priority is going to be bringing back the tax cuts that they put in the budget, but Evers vetoed. Still, you know, even though we expect nothing really different with the special session, going back to the redistricting conversation and, like, the implications of a new map, Democrats will argue that Republicans have been shielded from any fallout for years of doing things like rejecting special session calls on gun control or on abortion rights or various things that are popular with the public, but not popular with the GOP base because those maps have really kind of been, you know, they're, they're geared toward a Republican majority. That's just the way it is. Democrats will tell you that they feel like if there's a new map, you can start to use these things like ignoring a special session call on child care or on gun control or abortion rights to say, hey, these guys are out of touch. It's more fodder for a possible campaign in the fall of 2024. If there are new maps with Republicans who have, you know, governed pretty conservatively, and they would say that over the last dozen years, to be in swing, you know, more swing seats, it'd be a different dynamic for them. But there would still be the ultimate problem of the full legislature not getting together to sign bills, I mean, to pass bills that Evers yeah. could then sign. If, if, oh, yeah. there, if there, were, there was, you know, split control of the legislature. I've been around long enough to see it happen before. What usually happens with split control legislature is the budget bill becomes the all-knowing, all all-seeing bill. It has everything in it you could possibly imagine. It's the one bill that has to pass. 
and they load it up with all their pet projects and that kind of stuff. So, you know, there's, it forces compromise sometimes. Um, sometimes it just forces lots of stuff jammed in the budget bill, but it, it's happened before. It hasn't been since 2007, eight. Last time we had split control, a democratically controlled state Senate, a uh, Republican state assembly and a democratic governor, but it's happened before and they survived. They <laughs> figured out how to operate. So we'll see what happens again. Well, I'd imagine that paid family leave is also another thing that would be pretty popular with most Wisconsinites. Yeah. And, you know, Evers is trying to get money for that. On, in this special session, uh, Republicans are not getting behind it. Governor says that the program would be self-sustaining by 2026 when benefits paid for through payroll contributions from both employees and employers would would basically sustain the program. You know, is that another thing that's just RIP yeah. to that issue? Oh, Republicans are not going to get behind that idea. I mean, a lot of the stuff in the governor's special session call, the state money for child care counts, the, uh, creating the Paid Family Medical Leave Act, more money for U- UW system, they're all things that are in his budget and they rejected. So I don't, uh, $100 something dollars for an engineering building on the Madison campus for UW. These are things that he's brought up before and they said no. So again, I, I don't expect them to have a change of heart. The question, though, is, is there a path for a compromise? Because Republicans want a new tax cut, and the governor's raised this prospect. Like, hey, you know, if, if you guys can get along with my child care proposal, maybe we can talk about tax cuts. There could be a compromise to be had in the Capitol. The question is, do Republicans want to work with Evers? The vetoes he made in the state budget definitely left some raw feelings among Republicans. And two, do they want to give him another win on something? They want to come to his purview on something, or they want to try and keep pushing their message. It's really going to be a fascinating dynamic to watch what the appetite is for compromise going forward in the building. I see. Well, another big issue that people have to find compromise on is the Brewers ballpark funding. The proposal has grown to nearly $700 million over 27 years, and Milwaukee County is thinking about using some of its new sales tax money for it. Remind us why the ballpark needs funding and why the average person in Milwaukee who does or doesn't like baseball should care about it. Well, one, the contract between the district board overseeing the stadium uh, and the team says that they will, the board will maintain the stadium to a certain standard. It was signed years ago and committed um, kind of to do that. Don't forget that stadium is mostly owned, two thirds of it's owned by the state essentially. So yes, the team has an ownership component of the stadium, but if the team walks away, the state has an empty Major League Baseball stadium with no baseball team in it. That is not a great thing to have. So there's this question of how do you fund it? Uh, then the conversations that Rob Brooks, Republican from Sockville, he was kind of put in charge of finding a, a deal with Democrats by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. I last talked to him. His idea was you take um, the money the state gets off of you know, the taxes from the brewers, you know, income taxes from players and personnel, combine that with the jock taxes off of visiting players. Because if you're a member of the Chicago Cubs and you come play in Milwaukee, you have to pay part of the uh, Wisconsin income tax for your, the money you earned while you're in Milwaukee. You take that money, that's your state component. That's the bulk of that money. Uh, they're also looking for the team to commit another $100 million above what it pays now, like in higher rent, those kinds of things. And for local governments in Milwaukee to pay about $135 million. Now, again, 27 years, that's about $26 bucks a year. About $5 million of it would come from city and county for the most part. The question is, how would they pay for it? They just got this new sales tax. That's for pension costs, right? 
They just got more shared revenue, but they've been saying for years, we've been underfunded. We need this money to pay for basic costs. How would they find the, the $5 million a year? Well, uh, Democrats who are in the legislature who have been kind of assigned to work with Brooks and Dan Fine, a senator from Fond du Lac, also part of the discussions, to find a deal, asked the county executive's office for some ideas. And David Crowley's office sent them back a memo that I saw that had, for example, um, give more flexibility with the pension, uh, with the sales tax money to, for example, maybe pay for the employer contribution to retirees' costs or workers' you know, pensions. That could free up some money. There was an idea in that memo to no longer have the county, the sheriff's department, patrol highways in Milwaukee County, have state patrol do it. That would save like $9 million bucks a year. They're basically trying to find ideas to free up money that would make it more palatable for them to have to pony up something for the brewers. Because, you know, talking to Republicans, they are not going to pass a bill for the Milwaukee Brewer Stadium without a Milwaukee contribution. I know locals do not like it. We've seen the county board, I think, pass a resolution saying they don't want to see any public money going toward it. But the reality is, politically, that, that Republicans are not going to pass a bill without that. The question is, what's the size and how they're going to fund it? Also, too, this is just kind of like the latest proposal that Brooks has put together, outline. It's a, a evolving package at this point, talking to Sony Speaker Robin Voss. Uh, the caucus will get together end of August, early September, start counting noses, as he puts it, figure out where they're at. So this can change a lot in the coming weeks, but one of the core components is going to be Republicans want a state component, a local component, and a team component to make it more palatable. Wow, we'll keep an eye on that. Uh, thanks for the breakdowns, JR, and thanks for joining me on Capital Notes. Anytime. That was JR Ross, editor of WISPolitics.com, speaking with me, WUWM's Mayan Silver. Listen for our segments with JR Ross every other Monday with an extended segment on Lake Effect, and check out the Capital Notes podcast wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>